Welcome to NTJ Pete's Talk, an educational podcast show that aims to give the most updated medical knowledge and approaches to common diseases in the field of pediatrics, including inspirational talks for the pediatric residents worldwide. The talks will be provided by our exceptional residents in collaboration with our esteemed consultants at King Abdullah Specialist Children's Hospital. Our goal is to help future pediatricians to lead the way to healthy child care. Stay tuned. Welcome, my name is Bashar Al-Ahmadi, a fourth year pediatric resident in King Abdullah Specialized Children's Hospital. Today's episode is going to be about rickets. And with us, Dr. Fahad Al-Jareba, consultant in pediatric endocrinology at CASH. Uh, worldwide rickets is most common form of metabolic bone disease in children. This is a concept that it's rare disease. It's one uh, on, on the increase in many region. In today's episode, we will discuss rickets. We will go through definition, etiology, clinical presentation, and workup. So let's start with the definition of, rick- of rickets. Okay, um, uh, thank you very much, um, Dr. Bishair, for, for this great introduction. I'd like to thank the teams for organizing this um, great, um, at, um, um, let's say that it's a great uh, start to to initiate a bit talk, which is um, aimed to improve or to enrich the knowledge of the uh, trainees and also all the clinicians in the, in the country by uh, picking an important topic that is um, for pediatric uh, population, which is uh, hopefully that will meet the, uh, their need, inshallah. So, <coughs> so I think uh, choosing this topic, which is a rickets, is one of the uh, important topics for any pediatrician and also for for us as endocrinologists. But sure, also for the pediatrician, it's very important topic. That's um, it's one of the common, as you said, uh, worldwide and especially in our country. Still, we are seeing those cases. So, if we are starting with the definitions, usually the uh, the rickets is used to describe or a term that used to describe the bony deformities, uh, which which is happened and due to or which occurs due to a decreased um, mineralization in the growth plates so it should happen in a growing bone so if you use the the same term of decreased mineralization in adult you shouldn't use rickets you can choose um, another term which is called osteomalacia which is described at the decreased mineralization in a bone matrix. Uh, so osteomalacia and rickets could happen in children because they do have the bone matrix and also they have the open uh, epiphyseal plate or the growth plate. So they will have rickets and uh, osteomalacia. But in adult, they will not have rickets. They will have only uh, osteomalacia. So. Um, to, to understand well the, the uh, rickets, you have to understand what is how the mineralization of um, growth plate take place. So um, the mineralization usually at the growth plates mass or pass through minimal or um, um, multiple steps and the or multiple zones from the resting zone to the hypertrophic zone so there is a hypertrophic chondrocyte that will undergo apoptosis and will be replaced or transformed into osteoid and mineralization of osteoid require an adequate amount of calcium and phosphorus so if you have a low calcium and phosphorus your mineralization for the osteoids will be uh, impaired and the most important prob- uh, the things that who's or what is the uh, the main uh, responsible for uh, chondrocyte apoptosis is phosphate. So if you have a low phosphate, you will have an, um, a failure of apoptosis and accumulation of hypertrophic chondrocyte. That will give you sign of uh, rickets. So if you go through the um, uh, the any 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 rickets cases, you may you will find that the phosphate usually in the lower side, in the lower side of the normal, or it's completely 
low. So going back to the history, so what is the, from where do we get the, the name of Ricketts? So the origin, um, the original, uh, the origin of the, of the name of Ricketts, it's unclear, but usually the first um, physician who described Ricketts was uh, an English or um, uh, an, an English physician. His name was Whistler, I think. And it was, um, and he described the uh, the uh, the rickets as he differentiated rickets from scurvy based on the post-mortem uh, description, and that's happened in the mid of 16th century. And after that, in the 18th century, another physician, his name is uh, Trousseau, and um, Trousseau he described the, or he proposed the cause of rickets, and he linked the decreased or limited sun exposure and the poor nutrition to uh, to uh, rickets, and proposed many uh, remedies to treat those patients. One of them was the uh, cod liver oil and as you know the cod liver oil it's contain adequate amount of uh, vitamin D or good amount of vitamin D so in 1932 uh, the vitamin D chemistry has been described and it has been linked to the to be the cause of um, of the uh, rickets uh, thank you dr. Fahad for this nice uh, introduction and definition about rickets uh, now uh, let's know what the etiology of rickets so um, we're talking about the etiology, so it is um, a very wide range causes of rickets, but you may divide them into two big categories. The first category is the uh, cassiobenic rickets, and the other form is phosphobenic rickets. And the most common ones are the cassiobenic rickets. So if we're talking about the cassiobenic rickets, basically we are talking about uh, the most common form of rickets, which is the vitamin D uh, or the nutritional vitamin D deficiency rickets, and the other form usually, so it's, it's usually result from the vitamin D deficiency and or calcium deficiency. The phosphobenic rickets is usually caused by the uh, phosphate deficiency. But w before we move to the etiology of the uh, rickets, just let's talk briefly about the vitamin D and what is the vitamin D. So as we said before, the vitamin D or the main source of the vitamin D is the sun exposure. So you have to expose um, uh, to the sun, and you have, and you may get the also the uh, vitamin D from the um, from the food, which is considered to be a minimal or a limited source. There is a limited source of vitamin D from the food, but there is an animal source which is it, it, you can it, it can you can it, which which provide the colecalcifer or the vitamin D3 from the animal source, and there is a vitamin D2 which is called an ergocalcifer, which usually derived from the um, uh, plants mainly from mushroom. So once you get the colecalcifer either from the animal or from the from the sun or ergocalcifer, these um, two or the uh, the calcifer will be taken the by the the binding globulin to the um, liver where uh, it will be hydroxylated by 25 hydroxylase enzyme then the 25 hydroxy vitamin D which reflect the store of the vitamin D so if you would like to know about the the store or the the vitamin D status of any patients you have to check the 25 hydroxy vitamin D so the 25 hydroxy vitamin D will go through the circulation and will be filtered in the uh, glomerulus and will be taken by the proximal renal tubule where it will be hydro again by another enzyme, another important enzyme called 1-alpha-hydroxylase and forming the 125-dihydroxy vitamin D. So this is the active vitamin D and the main action of the vitamin D is uh, to attach to its, its receptor which is a vitamin D receptor, one of the nuclear receptor which is widely spread in the tissue including the hair follicles and it has a clinical implication and why I'm mentioning the, uh, the hair follicles. So the, the vitamin D once it's um, attached to its um, a receptor it uh, will result mainly to or will result in increase of uh, calcium and phosphorus absorption from the intestine. It has also uh, some, some, some role in uh, calcium and phosphorus reabsorption in kidney and some sort or a limited also action in the bone by resorbing the, uh, the calcium and phosphorus from the bone. 
And another important hormones in the in the causes of rickets or to understand the rickets well, the parathyroid hormone. So the parathyroid hormone is secreted mainly from the parathyroid gland, and at, um, uh, and the main action of the parathyroid hormone is to resorb the calcium and phosphorus from the bone, and also it's um, uh, it's lead or it um, it causes um, uh, a calcium reabsorption from the ki- from the kidney and phosphate re- or excretion from the kidney. So the net result will be improving the calcium and excreting the uh, the phosphate. So if we are talking about the calcium rickets, so the most common cause of it, as we say, is a vitamin D deficiency, which is usually a nutritional deficiency, either because uh, limited sun exposure or because of the uh, limited um, 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 or poor uh, food intake. And the other things, as you know, that the vitamin D is um, a fat-soluble vitamin. So you need to have a normal gut for absorption, and you have to have a normal liver and also a normal pancreas to absorb this uh, type of uh, hormone or um, uh, fat-soluble uh, vitamin, sorry. So if there is a pancreatic insufficiency, if there is any malabsorptive disorder or um, uh, a liver disease, you may have a limitation in absorbing uh, vitamin D. And also you have to have a good liver to, um, uh, to have a 25 hydroxylase and to lose this function you have to have a massive liver failure and there are uh, some medication that may affect or upregulate or um, uh, enhance the clearance or the uh, clearance of the vitamin D like the uh, antiepileptic medication. Um, so if you have a liver disease or patient antiepileptic medication, those are, uh, are risk, uh, at risk of uh, developing rickets. The other things that they um, uh, renal failure. So if there is a renal failure, you will have a limitation in um, activation of the vitamin D. So you will have a vitamin or calcium-benic rickets in the, in the uh, long, uh, long run. And also there is very rare um, inherited disorders uh, where there is a, a, mu- or, um, a genetic disease that's causing a mutation or losing the function of the uh, some of those enzymes like the 1-alpha-hydroxylase, which may lead to vitamin D-dependent rickets type 1a, uh, or if there is any defect in the or gene defect that results result in decrease um, in the 25-hydroxylase also enzyme, which may lead to also the vitamin D-dependent rickets type 1 also. And the last one, um, which is due to a vitamin D receptor defect, so you will have you will have the vitamin D, but it will not function well because you don't have the receptor. And as I said, it is distributed or uh, expressed in the hair follicle. So those patients, uh, they will have alopecia and also rickets. And this is called vitamin D-dependent rickets type 2. This is um, uh, in brief about the calcium rickets. The other form, which is uh, more complicated, the phosphobenic uh, rickets, which usually result from a loss, uh, isolated problem with the phosphate, either decrease due to decreased intake, which is very um, unlikely, because most of the foods are uh, enriched with a good amount of phosphate. But some, some people, they are at risk for uh, malabsorption or, or, or TB-independent patient, they will be at risk for phosphate deficiency. The other problem that if you have a problem in reabsorbing phosphate, so you ha- you are, uh, there is a leak of phosphate in the kidney, either due to a problem in the kidney itself as a part of Fanconi syndrome or due to an excessive amount of uh, a fibroblast uh, growth factor 23, which is responsible for reabsorption of phosphate. So if there is a problem in the, uh, if there is an excessive amount of FGF23, you will have an excessive phosphate leak in the urine. And the most classic example for this is the X-linked dominant hypostatomic rickets, which is usually due to a fixed mutation. I think this is in brief uh, for the etiology for the um, phosphobenic and the calciobenic rickets. Uh, okay, so what about the clinical presentation of children who has uh, rickets? 
So um, um, there is many clinical um, uh, manifestation of rickets. So there is they, they may present with the symptoms of hypocalcemia, as you know, the tetany and seizures and the irritability with also decreased bile stock. But if we are talking about the clinical sign, just let us take it from the head to toe. So from the head, because there is a um, uh, problem in the um, uh, 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 in the uh, mineralization, those patients they will have a delayed in the closure of the fontanels, wide sutures. But uh, remember that in some group patient with phosphobenefrics like the XLH, they may have craniosynostosis, not widening um, uh, sutures. Also, they will have uh, um, uh, bruising of the forehead, and um, in the in the severe form, they may have a softening of the skull, especially in the uh, infant age group, and they will have uh, a sign that. It's called craniotapus. And um, uh, if you go down to the mouth, they may have a problem with the delayed dentition or uh, dental hypoplasia. And if you go down also in the chest, they may have a rachitic rosary, they may have a cranio or a bictus carniatum or Harrison sulcus. In the extremities, they may have um, uh, many deformities, including widening of the wrist. Maybe uh, during the crawling, they will have a curved forearm. And the lower limb, they may have a, a lower limb deformity, either bollocks, which is a pictus, uh, the, um, uh, or the, uh, the bollocks or the, the uh, neck, uh, knee. Also, uh, with the severe rickets, they may have a wide ankle, and they, there is a, a sign called double meloli. So you will have two epiphyses, and this is one of the signs of the uh, severe rickets. This is in, in summary for the classic uh, signs of uh, rickets, and you have to remember that because of the softening of the uh, rib cage, they are also at risk of developing recurrent chest infections. Uh, what uh, are the important lab work uh, that need to be done when we suspected any child with uh, rickets? So as we said before, we, are, we talk about vitamin D and parathyroid hormone. So if you face or you thought about uh, rickets based on the clinical manifestation, so you have, to, um, you have to collect for, or you have to ask for calcium level, phosphorus level, alkaline phosphatase level, which reflect the bone remodeling, that the bone is um, it's active and, uh, and there is um, a problem with the mineralization. So it's a marker for bone formation, and um, and also you should say send for the parathyroid hormone and the vitamin D for sure if you are suspecting vitamin D uh, level. And also you have to because you are considering uh, a bone nutrition, you have to look for other marker for bone nutrition. So you may ask for CBC, looking for the sign of iron deficiency anemia or chronic uh, or the anemia of chronic uh, disorders. And you may ask for other um, uh, labs like the uh, sodium level potassium and also the uh, bicarb looking for if there is an acidosis if, if you are thinking about phosphobenic rickets also like in the in those patients with Fanconi syndrome this is in general this is the the the, the, the basic workup and for sure if there is um, uh, if the patient he doesn't have he doesn't have or you treated the patient and uh, you found that the patient he doesn't have the classic nutritional rickets you may ask for the 125 the active vitamin D if you are looking just to to look for the level if it's low it may consider the vitamin D dependent rickets type 1b and if it's very high it may consider the other differential diagnosis which is the, the, the rare form which is the vitamin D dependent rickets type um, uh, two. This is in regard to the laboratory works, and you have to ask for the rickets survey. And usually, you are doing the rickets survey in the in the rapid growing bone, the distal ulna, and also above and the below the knee. This is the rapidly growing bone in the uh, children. 
and you will find the design of records. Um, usually, they will have the uh, in the early stage they will uh, they will have a loss in the calcification zone at the epiphyseal plate. Then it will um, uh, um, it will progress to the widening of the rest, then the cupping of the epiphyses, and may they, they may develop also a fracture which is called pseudo fractures in the uh, advanced uh, stage of the disease. And to look also and uh, to the uh, deformities in the lower limbs if you find some. Okay, so um, the most important uh, things, once you ask, you have to interpret the, the results. So the, the first thing to do, to do if you are facing a patient with rickets, look initially at parathyroid hormone. And you have to make sure that the parathyroid hormone was taken during the hypocalcemia, not after correcting the hypocalcemia because it has very short um, uh, half-life. So once you give a patient a bolus of calcium, the parathyroid might went to normal level. So you have to make sure that the, the parathyroid hormone was taken during an acute hypocalcemia. So based on the parathyroid hormone, you may classify your patient uh, or you, you may narrow your differential diagnosis. So if you have very high parathyroid hormone, that's mean you are dealing with cassiopeneic rickets. If you have almost normal or slightly elevated parathyroid hormone, you may uh, deal with, you, know, you are dealing maybe with uh, phosphopenic rickets. So the parathyroid hormone, this is the most important one. After you see the, the parathyroid hormone, you have to look at the alkaline phosphatase. For sure, most of the patients, they will have very high alkaline phosphatase, especially in the calciobenic rickets. The phosphopenic, they will have, but they will have, they will not have classically very high alkaline phosphatase. Rarely, it will exceed the 1,000 international unit per liter. But usually, the alkaline phosphatase should be high. So the parathyroid hormone, if it's high, and the alkaline phosphatase, this is supporting the calciobenic rickets, if both of them are um, high. If it's just alkaline phosphatase with a normal uh, parathyroid hormone, it may in favor the uh, phosphobenic rickets. After that, you should look at the calcium and phosphorus. The, uh, usually, the phosphate will be in the lower normal range or low. The calcium could be normal or low, depending on the stage of rickets. Then after you get the high BTH and the alkaline phosphatase and the low phosphate or the lower normal phosphate, look at the vitamin D, the 25. As we say, the 25 reflecting the store of the vitamin D. So if the 25-hydroxy vitamin uh, D was low, that's mean you are dealing with vitamin D deficiency, either nutritional rickets or due to malabsorption or due to uh, liver disease or um, uh, pancreatic problems. So you have a problem with the 25. So if the 25 was normal, so you should ask, for, or you, uh, you should ask for the 125-dihydroxy vitamin D. If it's low, you may um, you are dealing maybe with uh, the the rare form of the genetic or the genetic form of vitamin D um, uh, vitamin D uh, rickets, which is the vitamin D dependent rickets type one, uh, which is due to the um, one alpha hydroxylase deficiency. And if it's high, as we said, look at the. Uh, the vitamin D receptor, it could be the uh, the primary defect, and those patients they will have uh, alopecia also. But not all of them, but most of them they will have alopecia. So you may link these two together. But if you have a normal BTH with uh, with a high alkaline phosphatase, you should think about phosphobenic rickets. So you should do the urine phosphate and to do something called tubular reabsorption of phosphate, which is a calculation that you need to do um, at the same time a fasting phosphate with the serum phosphate and creatinine together with a urine phosphate, a random urine phosphate and creatinine with a specific calculation. Um, uh, you, you will calculate the, the TRB. So if the TRB more than 85%, that's mean you have a good kidney, there is no problem, there is a problem, the problem will be from the intake of phosphate, and if it's low, that's mean there is an excessive leak of phosphate, so it could be an excellent, uh, the hypophosphatemic rickets. And now after diagnosis, uh, let's talk about the management. 
so just in the, the uh, just I'll concentrate in the calcium rickets. Primarily, the most common one, the nutritional rickets, because the other it is um, it will take long time. Just for the nutritional rickets. So as we say, this is due to the vitamin D deficiency. So you just you should supplement your child with vitamin D, which is a therapeutic dose. Therapeutic dose. So the uh, usually depending on the age, usually in the first one to two years we are supplementing them with uh, 1,000 colecalciferol, 1,000 to 2,000 international unit per day, and they should should be in that treatment for two to three um, months. And if they are older children, you may give them up to uh, 5,000 international unit per day, and usually we are giving them 4,000 to 5,000 international unit per day. And if there is a problem with the absorption, you may give up to 1, 1, 10,000 international uh, unit uh, per day of colecalciferol which is the inactive form it needs to be hydroxylated by liver and uh, and the and the kidney but the most important uh, things that those patients because of the long run the calcium deficiency their bone is really hungry and they call it hungry bone syndrome so you may supply those patients initially with a calcium in a dose of around 30 to 70 milligram per kg per day as elemental calcium uh, just for two to three weeks and you have to make sure that they are taking the adequate or the daily allowance of uh, calcium before you stop the calcium just make sure that they are taking a daily product and we may talk about it now about the um, uh, about the calcium intake and these things um, uh, this is mainly for the treatment. So once you start the treatment, uh, usually the phosphate uh, will be improved within four days and the alkaline phosphate start to decrease after one week of the treatment. So you have to continue for two to three uh, months to restore the vitamin D uh, after the, the uh, severe deficiency. And the calcium, as we said, for just two to three uh, weeks, then you stop it after you, you, you confirm that the patient is taking a good amount of, uh, of calcium. But the most important uh, thing is not the treatment, how to prevent. So the prevention is uh, by uh, to make sure, by making sure that the child is taking an uh, adequate amount of vitamin D and there is a specific group of patients who is at risk, like for example those who is having a limiting, uh, limitation the exposure, the, the sun exposure and also on the infants who is relying on their mother. Uh, vitamin D status and uh, in our country we do have an endemic vitamin D uh, deficiency uh, so you have uh, those those children they have to be supplied with adequate amount of vitamin D also the dark uh, patient with dark skin they are at risk of vitamin D deficiency compared to the white uh, population so you have to make sure that the the children that are uh, meeting the uh, the uh, requirement and there is <coughs> recent or not recent in 2016 there is a global uh, consensus of treating and preventing vitamin D deficiency which was published in the uh, research hormone pediatric 2016 you may go there, there and just review it so all infants below one year they have to be on 400 international units and to uh, accomplish that you have to make sure that the child is uh, on supplementation if he's relying on the just breast milk because the breast milk just contain 25 international units per liter and the other things so you to 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 match this the the child should take 16 liter per day which is cannot be the other things they um, if the child rely on a formula you have to make sure that he's taking 400 because it's for in uh, if you look at the fortification of the vitamin d the formula it's contain 400 uh, international unit per liter so if the child taking one liter it's fine so he's taking 400 but if it's not you may supplement him with the 
with the vitamin D. The other important things that you should make sure that the child taking a good amount of calcium, the, the daily um, uh, amount of calcium is around 400 to 600 up to four years of age. After that, it should be uh, 700 per day milligram as elemental. And during the adolescent or the older children, you, they, may, uh, they have to take around 1,300 milligram for elemental uh, uh, calcium up to 1,700 uh, elemental uh, calcium. So you have to make sure that the patient taking the, uh, the daily calcium intake and also the vitamin uh, D uh, uh, intake also to prevent developing rickets. Okay, so just um, uh, at the end, uh, I would like to thank you again for bringing these important topics, which is, as, as we discussed before, it is one, still it is one of the common in our, uh, in our country, and still it's reported worldwide. Um, uh, I think the, uh, the rickets has, um, uh, you should have a high suspicious of an uh, index of suspicion, so you have to meticulously uh, examine your child looking for the sign of rickets, once you get the sign, just go and do the, uh, the, 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 uh, the lab work. But the most important message that we should, we should deliver to the family as a pediatrician, you have to make sure that the child is taking the, the, uh, the adequate amount of uh, the vitamin D and the calcium, and you have to spread the knowledge, the knowledge to the, to the mothers that they have to test their vitamin D during pregnancy, or at least to make sure that the vitamin D at pregnancy is um, uh, um, reaching the sufficient uh, level, which is more than 50 uh, nanomole uh, per liter. Uh, so I think this is our message to the, uh, to the public, to the uh, to our patients and to their family and uh, if we if we spread this knowledge they will also inform their their relatives inshallah will um, will prevent developing uh, rickets and hopefully will not see any cases inshallah in the future rickets and thank you very much again.